Good morning. We're in the sermon series called Practices. And really, I suppose if we had a key verse for the series, it would be Luke 9, 23, that says, If anyone would come after me, Jesus said, he must deny himself. We talked about that two weeks ago. He must throw down, put down, put down things. He must deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. Take up those things, those practices that will improve our walk, that will help us in our following of Jesus. So last week we began by talking about taking up prayer and worship. We use the Westminster Catechism that says, says the, the goal of every man is to glorify God and enjoy him forever. We said that's prayer and worship. That we are designed to glorify God and enjoy him forever. Maybe I should have started uh, this week instead of la uh, last week because today we're talking about study. In the coming weeks we'll talk about proclaiming and sharing and serving. But today we're talking about study. So the question is how can I know God and enjoy him forever? If I, or how can I, I, I worship God and enjoy him forever if I don't know him? And the way we know God... How do you know God Almighty in this crazy, hectic, COVID-infested world? How do you know God? How does he speak to you? Theologians talk about God revealing himself in, in two main ways. They use the word revelation. God reveals himself to us through revelation. And there's a couple of different uh, forms of that. One is called general revelation or special or natural rev revelation. That's the revelation that we see of God in nature or in people or in, in some of the things that, that people have, have done to glorify God. And the other is special revelation. That's God's direct communication to us. Maybe through the Holy Spirit's prompting or through the story of Jesus or the Bible, God's direct communication to us. So general revelation, special revelation. How many of you have been to the, I think it's called the Headlands Dark Sky Park, the Headlands International Dark Sky Park up in Mackinac. Have you been there? It is a wonderful place. I'd encourage you to go. It's, a, it's right on Lake Michigan. It's a dark sky park, so you go at night or just as it's turning night. And, you, and there's, there's some, some red lights that will guide you to this area right on Lake Michigan. You can look over off the side and see the, the Mackinac Bridge. And there it's designed so that you can look up in the stars. And on a clear night, oh, it's just glorious. You can't use flashlights. There's no, you can't use the, the light on your phone. All of those things are forbidden. But you get out there. There is, there is an app on your phone that shows you the constellations. Some people cheat and kind of pull it up and look at the constellations. When we were there, we saw the, the International Space Station. You could see it go, you know, the, the blip, blip, blip. And you could see it go by. On some nights, you can see the northern lights. It's glorious. Pastor, why are you talking about the Headlands International Dark Sky Park? It's not even international, it's in Michigan. Why are you talking about that? Because I think when you're there, on a clear night, and you can see the stars and the Milky Way and all of God's creation, you get a sense, just a little sense, a taste of like what, what David must have experienced when he wrote the 19th Psalm. David wrote this, he said, said, the heavens declare the glory of God. The skies proclaim the work of his hands. Day after day, they pour forth speech. Night after night, they reveal general revelation. They reveal knowledge. They have no speech. They use no words. No sound is heard from them. Yet, their voice goes out into all the earth. Their words to the ends of the world. He's saying, look at the sky. How can you not look up at the sky and see God's creation and give glory to the one, the God of the universe? Yeah. 
general revelation. General revelation also takes place if you've been, you know, maybe to the mountains. Not, not Mount Holly. I mean real mountains. You know, the, the Rocky Mountains or the Alps. Or I have a friend that, that attempted to, to climb uh, Mount Everest or the Himalayas. And you get in that experience and you look at all of God's creation and it just overflows you. It floods your soul and you think, wow, there is a creator. Maybe you've had that experience of looking at the ocean or maybe at the Grand Canyon or one of other God's creations. That's all general revelation. Ten years ago, now Carla and I were blessed to go on a sabbatical and part of the sabbatical, we went to Europe, we visited some missionary friends and we, my sister was uh, doing uh, some short-term missionary service then so we visited her and her husband. But we also went to Rome. And when you're in Rome, what, what are you supposed to do? You do what the Romans do, right? So we went to the Vatican. And I've, I've seen pictures of the Vatican. I knew what was in the Vatican. I was looking forward to the Sistine Chapel. I've seen pictures of it. But I never really experienced it. You know, that, that, that room that Michelangelo painted the ceiling took him four or five years to paint back in the 1500s, 1508 to 1512. And I got in there. And I saw the, the beautiful artwork of creation. It was just overwhelming to me. That picture I didn't take because <laughs> the priests or the security guards or whoever they are, they come up to you, you know, you pull out your phone and they, no, 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 and you know, okay, back in. I don't know if there's a Vatican jail or not, but it was, it was awesome, glorious. Now look at the creation. It was on October 22nd, 1991. I was in Bay City, Michigan. I know I was in Bay City, Michigan because that's the day our son Alex was born. And there, Carla had had some complications and so she was kind of out of it at that moment. And, and, and I was holding Alex for the first time. I probably had never held a baby longer than 20 seconds in my entire life. You know, I was afraid they were going to break or something. But there in that room, Bay City, Michigan, I was holding Alex. And I have a picture of when Alex was dedicated, or we baptized Alex, when da Alex was ba baptized in the Bad Axe Church of the Nazarene. Four of those people are now in heaven. My mom, dad, Carla's dad, the district superintendent at the time, Marcel Knight. But let me tell you, long before that picture was ever taken, in a, in a hospital room, by a rocking chair, when I was holding on to Alex for the first time, he was dedicated to the Lord that day. As I was looking down at our newborn son, I, I was just overwhelmed by the, by the glory of God and the majesty that, that he would provide, Carla and I, that son. It's general revelation. You can experience God when you see God's creation, when you see God's handiwork or the, the artwork or the, or the blessings that God has given even to people. And you see God, general revelation in God's transformative work in people. I've told you my story plenty of times. You're sick of me telling it. My dad was a drunk, a drunk, drunk, drunk. Everyone in his family was a drunk for generations. They were all drunks and criminals. My dad's dad, uh, my grandfather, made the newspaper. Not because of some spectacular thing. No, he was kicked out of a bar and the bar owner and his son beat him to a pulp and smashed his kneecap and he walked with a limp the rest of his life. My, my, he was dead long before I came around. He died before my parents even got married. But they were all drunks, every one of them. My dad was basically on his own at 8 years old, started drinking at 11, 12 years old. He was a juvenile delinquent if there ever was one. He was following the steps of his father and his grandfather and his great-grandfather. He had nothing. He was hopeless. 
But he walked into a church of the Nazarene, the Elmwood Church of the Nazarene, on a Sunday night, don't know what was preached. He went home and by his bed, don't know what he prayed. How could he pray? He didn't even, he didn't even, hadn't been in church, but he prayed some kind of prayer. And God transformed him. God changed him. God took that guy with generations of alcoholism and broke those chains and set him free. And not just him, but set our whole family free. That's general. And you look at that and you say, only God can do that. Only God has the power to transform generational sin and transform it. It's general revelation. God works. We can see God's handiwork. But sometimes, sometimes even atheists, they can, they can look at mountains. and They can look at the ocean. And they can look at, at places like the Sistine Chapel or they can even see a transformed life. And they draw far different conclusions than what I draw. See, there's limitations to general revelation. And that's why there's this thing called special revelation. How God speaks to us. Last week in a sermon I told you how in the Bible God speaks through, through angels. And sometimes he speaks through direct, you know, audible voices to the disciples. You know, this is my son. Sometimes God uses uh, 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 different means of communication in the Bible. Once he even used a donkey. Well, some saying he still does. You know, that's a whole other story. And last week in a sermon we talked about worship. We talked about how God will come to us and, and will tap us on the shoulder in a time and an experience like this. Where you know it's God Almighty that's speaking to you. But the way God most generally speaks to us. In, in special revelation is through his word his direct communication to us through the bible that God when we open the bible it's like opening the mouth of God and he speaks to us the b-i-b-l-e yes that's that's the book for me and God uses scriptures to know God to, to know what he, he values to know what's important to him the Bible is not just some other, you know, classic. It's not a Charles Dickens book. It's not just a, a thing in the self-help section. No, we believe that the Bible is the word of God. God's choice of communication to we humans. We, we use words like inerrant and inspired and God breathed. Charles Colson once said this about the Bible. The Bible banned, burned, beloved, more widely read, more frequently attacked than any other book in history. Generations of intellectuals have attempted to discredit it. Dictators of every age have outlawed it and executed those who read it. Yet soldiers carried into battle, believing it more powerful than their weapons. Fragments of it smuggled into solitary prison cells have transformed ruthless killers into gentle saints. The Bible is the powerful, transforming word of God. In many ways, that Bible, it, it, it opens us up to God's revelation to us for today. Paul said this about it. All scripture is God-breathed and useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness. So that the man of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. The Bible, the B-I-B-L-E, yes, that's, that's the book for me. Is it the book for you? Before you answer, let me give you this bit of research. The Lifeway Research um, came out with uh, so, some statistics a few years ago, 2017. But I think it's still probably close to valid. It said that 87% of Americans own a Bible. Which I thought was kind of high, really. 87% own a Bible. That's pretty good, 87%. But the research also showed that most rarely or ever have read 
their Bible. In fact, their research showed that 35% of Christians, Christians, not atheists, Christians, 35% of Christians said that they would read their Bible, and these are the good, uh, read their Bible once, at least once a week. That meant that 65% of Christians don't read their Bible even once a week. I, we're talking about the Word of God. Read something, something, anything, anything at all. How are we going to grow in our walk with the Lord? That's what we're talking about in these practices, right? Take up, take up worship and prayer. Take up scripture. How are we going to grow in our walk with the Lord? If we're not in his word, you will not grow. That's about, you will not grow. General revelation is wonderful. Seeing God's creation is great. Pastor, I'm just going to worship out when I walk in the woods. Wonderful, wonderful, wonderful. But it only goes so far. We need to be in God's word. We need to be consumed by God's word. It's in the Bible. The Bible is rich. A diverse collections of writings from four, uh, scans, spans over 1,400 years. There's 66 divisions or 66 books, if you will, divided into two sections, Old Testament, New Testament. The Old Testament is about 75% of the Bible. It tells the history of Israel and the Israelites dealing with God Almighty. We believe that the Old Testament is just as inspired as the New Testament. And the same spirit that inspired the Old Testament inspired the New Testament inspires you and me on a daily basis. The New Testament is the story of Jesus, the long-awaited Messiah that the Old Testament was building, building, building towards. The earliest New Testament books were the epistles, not the Gospel of Matthew, which is the first book in the New Testament. They're not in chronological order. Sometimes the Bible is described as the basic instructions before leaving earth. You've heard it said that way, B-I-B-L-E, basic instructions before leaving earth. I don't like that descriptor, quite frankly, because the Bible is powerful, it's transformative. It's anything, anything, anything but basic. Sometimes it's been described as God's love letters to us. And again, I'm not sure I like that. It's, the Bible is not some mushy-gushy, smooch-mooch-mooch. Sometimes when I'm reading the Bible, it's smack, smack, smack. You know, it's, it's God's powerful, transforming word to us. It's, it's what we need. Now, some of you are doing great. Some of you are, some of you are saying, saying, Pastor, I read my Bible every single day. And to you, I say, you know, give a star, keep going. Hooray, hooray, hooray. But I know for some of us, some of us are in the life way statistic who the only scripture we get is the scripture I splash on the screens every week and you say say oh pastor you know well, okay time out I've been watching too much college basketball Carla is telling me so time out by the way did you know that Michigan is the Big Ten champs okay time out <laughs> I, I digress just for a second there <laughs> sorry my Sparty friends okay if you knew, if you, if you thought about it, like, okay, we're in this sermon series called S Practices, and we've done prayer and worship, and today is study, and so I know what that means, you know, I'm, I'm going to hear it from the pastor, I don't read my Bible enough, I've got to read my Bible more, and honestly, I don't get too much out of my Bible when I do read it, hope I don't get struck by lightning for saying that, and pastor's going to give it to me, I need to read my Bible more, I'm a terrible person because I don't read my Bible enough, all right, preacher, let me have it, hit me with your best shot. That's not what this sermon is about. I, 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 my goal is not to, to put some kind of guilt trip on you. What my goal is, my goal is that you will love this book. My goal is that you'll look forward to opening it up. 
My goal is that, that you will be in anticipation. God's going to speak to me. God's going to work through the, those words. And when I open up God's word, he's going to move in a way that I didn't even imagine. Do you remember when, when the people of Israel were just getting ready to cross over into to Canaan? And Joshua was the new leader. Moses was dead. And, and God comes to Joshua and gives him a pep talk. Because, you know, this is a big deal. You know, they've been in the wilderness for 40 years. They're getting ready to go into Canaan. So God comes to Joshua, gives him a pep talk. This is what he says. Be strong and very courageous. Obey all the laws Moses gave you. Do not turn away from them. And you will be successful in everything you do. Study this book of the law continually. Meditate on it day and night so that you may be sure to obey all that is written in it. Only then, only then will you succeed. It's like God came to Joshua and said, Joshua, listen, you've got a big job ahead of you. I mean, you've been there. You've seen the walled cities. You know what's, what, what's facing you. And the answer, the answer to your success, it may even sound simplistic when you really think about it, but the answer to your success, meditate on God's word. Stay there. If you stay there, if you meditate, if you follow it, if, you, if, you, if you're trusting me, you're going to be successful. You would have thought that God would have said to him, said, whoo, Moses, or Joshua, whoo, Moses, he's dead. Whoo, Joshua. You've been there. You've seen those walled cities. You know they got big armies. You've been there. You know what's, good, what's facing. You better get a good military strategy book. And you better get a book on logistics because you've got all these people that you've got to get across the way. And, and you better get a book on agriculture because the, the manna's going to stop. And when you get over there, you're going to have to grow your own crops. Now, this is not a sermon that's saying, you know, read the Bible, only the Bible. Probably all those books would have been helpful. But what the point is, God is saying, listen, Joshua, where you need to start... The first thing, the very first thing where you need to start is God's word. You need to let that form you, shape you. God's word, let God's word form you and shape you. That's the same for you and me. Meditate on it day and night. Obey all that is written in it. Then, then, then you'll be successful in all you do. What is shaping you? Is it, is it your news source? Your favorite news channel, CNN, Fox, you know, TMZ, whatever. Is it, is it some social media influencer? I didn't even know there was such a creature as a social media influencer. I'm, I'm the guy in the, in the progressive commercials with Dr. Rick, who's, you know, they're he's trying to teach you how to be, not become your parents. You know, that's me. I'm all those guys. I, every one of those commercials, it's me, it's me. So honestly, I don't know what's influencing you. But I know this. What needs to influence us is the word of God. That's where we start. That's where it's got to be. Hear this from the heart of the pastor. I'm so worried that we, we are being shaped and formed by our Twitter feed or Facebook or Instagram or our news channels. And listen, if we spend hours and hours on social media or hours and hours in front of a, a news channel and don't even crack open God's word, guess what's forming us? Guess what's shaping us? It isn't God's word, I can assure you of that. All right, the Bible isn't just inspired, it inspires. It's a source of strength and courage. The, the, the byproduct is that, that we can be successful as we... As we as we get into God's word. It's meant to be meditated on. That's what God told Joshua. Meditate on it day and night. Paul said it this way. The message of Christ should dwell in among you richly as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom through psalms, hymns, and songs of the Spirit, singing to God with gratitude in your hearts. Let the message of Christ dwell in you richly. That's what I want for you. 
I want the message of God's word to dwell in you richly. All right, well, pastor, you know, where do I start? How much do I read? Which Bible should I use? Those are all good questions. Get a readable translation. Usually I preach from the New International Version, but there's others. New Living Translation is, I, I use that. Or sometimes the New Revised Translation. And sometimes in the summer we'll be using the English Standard Version. Here's another commercial. This summer, like last summer, we're going to have those little books for where we're going to be going. This summer is Romans, and you can get one for, we just ordered 750 of them. Last year, we didn't know how many people would take us up on it. And so we, I think we ordered 300 first. And then we said, oh, we ran out. We went, got 500. And then we ran out and we ended up with 750. So this year, we're starting off with 750. I hope we have to order more. I hope we have to order, you know, up to 1,000. And those are English standard versions. Just get a readable version. How much, how much, how much do I need to read? There's no race. You don't, you don't, you don't have to, you know, start in Genesis and race to get done in, in the end of Revelation. That's not a race. Just pick a little chunk. I tell people usually start in the Gospels. You know, start in Mark or start in John. Matthew and Luke are good too. You, you would not go wrong if you said, you know what, I'm just going to read the Sermon on the Mount and stay in the Sermon on the Mount for a whole year. That's Matthew 5, 6, and 7. Just three chapters. And just the words of Jesus, the greatest sermon ever, I'm going to just dwell there. But pick, pick, pick just a small chunk of Scripture. If you're not reading anything, pick a small chunk of Scripture. Take, you know, John chapter 1. If you went to John 1, on my Bible, if you don't know where John is, get the table of contents. In my Bible, it's on page 884. And you read that. Just the first, you know, four or five verses. In the beginning was the Word. The Word was God. The Word was with God and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning and through him all things were made. Without him nothing was made that has been made. In him was life. And that light was the light of all mankind. The light shines in the darkness. But the darkness has not overcome it. Let that, let that dwell rich. What does it mean to dwell? Just hang out with that. Just read that small little scripture. And, and, and pray it and meditate on it. And allow it to speak and move in you. In the beginning was the word. Capital W. Jesus. And Jesus was with God. And Jesus was God. And Jesus was with God in the beginning. And through Jesus, all things were made. Without Jesus, nothing was made that has been made. Kind of reminds you of Genesis 1-1, right? In the beginning, was God created the heavens and the earth. In Jesus was life. And that life was the light of all mankind. Jesus is the light of the world. For all mankind, for everybody, everywhere. Red and yellow, black and white. They are precious in his sight. The light, Jesus, shines in the darkness. Our world is dark. It's troubled. No doubt we're living through a pandemic for crying out loud. But Jesus' light shines in the darkness. And the darkness has not overcome Jesus. What does that mean? When we're going through our day, we're chewing on that scripture. And something comes. Problems come. They, they come into our lives. What? Whatever it may be, we are chewing on that scripture. Wait a minute. It's not just me. It's Jesus is with me. Jesus, he overcomes. Jesus is the light of the world. He shines in the darkness. This isn't going to be a problem for me. I've got Jesus. Why? Because you've been chewing on it. You've been dwelling on it. You've been getting God's word deep, deep, deep within your bones. That's what my prayer for you is. That you would learn to love God's word. That you would get it in you, so deeply in you, that when problems or troubles come your way, you would know that God, God Almighty, is there. God wants to know you. He wants you to know him more and more, better and better, every day, every single day. When Carla and I started dating, it was 1983. We were babies back then. There's our picture. 
I don't know where that hair is going. Carla was pretty then, she's pretty now. Um, but that's us in 1983. And she worked at a little airport up in Pelston for a little airline, Simmons Air. And I was a summer intern at the Church of the Nazarene in Alanson, Michigan. And I had to ask the pastor permission to date her. Because, you know, she, she wasn't from that church even, but I got there, you know, and he'd give me a long talk, you know, no dating the girls. <laughs> it's like, okay, but then Carla came. And so I had to ask permission. Is it okay? She's really not from the church. Is it okay? And he said, yeah, I don't know what I would have done if he said no, but he said yes. And, you know, we wanted to spend all our time together. We wanted to be together. We wanted to learn about each other all the time. That's the way it is when you, when you're, when you find someone you're infatuated with at first. In fact, I had a, I had a mom this, this Christmas tell me her son was away at college and he came home for Christmas and she said, Pastor, he's been on the phone every day with her. He's talking to her all the time, every day, all the time. He's, talk, she, he's talked to his girlfriend more in the last two weeks than he's talked to me in the last 20 years. And that's the way it goes, right? That's my prayer for you. That you would long to be with Jesus. That you would be in his word and allow him to speak to you. That you would chew on, on his word. The, the apostle Paul, when he was writing to the church at Ephesus, he uses a strange phrase. He says, I, he's praying for them, the church at Ephesus. And he says, I pray also that the eyes of your heart might be enlightened. What a strange phrase. Paul knows, just like you and I know, the eyes aren't in our heart. The eyes are on our head. And Paul is telling those people, listen, let the eyes of your head sees everything that's going on. The eyes of your head, it sees all the problems, all the troubles, all the worries, all the obstacles. That's what the eyes of your head see. But the eyes of your heart, the eyes of your heart runs through the filter of Jesus when he's, when he's overtaking you and, in, and living within you. And so you still see the problems, you still see the troubles, but when you're, when you're chewing on John 1, in the beginning was the word, when you're chewing on God, John 1, you know that, hey, those obstacles, those troubles, they're not, they're not too tough for Jesus. He's the one that says, take heart, I've overcome the world. When the eyes of your heart are enlightened, when the eyes of your heart are, are consumed with Jesus, and the only way that can happen is when you're in his word. Then, then those things that seem so huge and insurmountable suddenly become quite, quite manageable because Jesus is with you.